Hello and welcome to the Good Robot Andy's Season 8, Episode 9. My name, wow. yeah, my name is Andy Balaam and this is... Andy Cockerell. And the thing that we're going to talk about this evening is... Is a movie. And that movie is called Blinded by the Light. Blinded by the Light. Now, without having seen this or knowing anything about it, it yep. seems uh, pretty obvious from the title that this is a... Uh, religious movie. It's one of those far-right Christian things. Oh, wow. I love <laughs> um, those. With the yeah. cheap VFX. Uh, about <laughs> ah, about someone who uh, goes blind and then starts having visions uh, and eventually uh, the rapture happens and they're, they're important in announcing it. Right, right. And and then it sounds awful. And then everyone dies. <laughs> <laughs> it's a happy. It's a, it's a happy ending. Okay, uh, that sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, can't it be a rollicking Disney adventure? No, I mean, I can't. Uh, you know, I, I wish it were, but it it isn't. But it's not. Okay, yeah. um, it's not that. Right. 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 Good. <laughs> you can probably guess it's not, that. No, it's not that. Uh, I think it would be unlikely for me to be talking about a um, cheap uh, knockoff <laughs> movie. Well, some of them are really expensive, I think. I haven't actually I watched any of them. You can spend a lot of money on something and it's still bad. Yeah. 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 Um, now, I'd just like to wind back oh. to uh, to the beginning of our podcast <laughs> when I was trying to make you laugh, as I always yeah. do. Yeah. I was listening to Malcolm McDowell. Um, it worked, by the way. To, yeah, the, uh, this podcast is like 15 seconds delayed because I couldn't start, so I was laughing too much. Works. It always <laughs> works. Um, I, was, I was listening to Malcolm McDowell talking to Alec Baldwin. I think we've talked about Alec Baldwin's podcast on this show before. Yes. Um, uh, and he was talking about the scene at the end of A Clockwork Orange mm-hmm. when the minister is feeding him and Malcolm McDowell's just opening his mouth like this mm-hmm. to be fed. And he said he ad-libbed that because the guy who was doing the monologue was taking too long with it. And because it's a one-shot, there's no cutaway in it. And he could see Stanley Kubrick just getting really bored with it. <laughs> and he's thinking, okay, if I don't do something, this scene's going to get cut mm-hmm. because it's because it's a one-shot. So he does this thing where he opens his mouth. And out of his peripheral vision, he sees Stanley Kubrick st- stick like a handkerchief in his mouth and turn around. <laughs> And you can see his shoulders going, and he's thinking, "That's great. The scene's staying in the film." <laughs> yeah, that's no, I, don't, I don't know if that's true. I have no idea if that's true or not. But it was a fun story. That's an example for me of why, although although I can see some merit in that film, I don't yeah. think it's anything like as good as the book. No, no. The, I think the book's wonderful, like a complete indictment of like the whole human species. Yeah, um, and the film is like a bit exploitative and a bit like cartoonish and stuff. It definitely has issues, yeah. But I think um, I think Malcolm McDowell's performance in it is one of the greatest of like the nineteen seventies output of of film. Really, it's right, um, right, right. an amazing performance. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think the movie definitely has issues, definitely. I found it to be a very tough watch. I've seen it a couple of times. Mm. Um, it's a I've, tough watch. Yeah. I mean, it's a really you, tough read. You're absolutely right in that it is exploitative. Um, but maybe maybe you don't get that story without it being a bit exploitative. I don't know. Mm. Is there a way to tell that story without being in that way? I mean, well, in no, the book, nobody else has had a crack at it since then, so yeah. maybe maybe that's maybe that's the case. In the book, I think the the violence and the um, all the awful things that happen are are covered in a way that, at least at the time, which was a very long time ago, yeah, um, I felt was just just kind of appalling and drawing you in in just the, just the way it was supposed to. And then I felt like the film didn't, for whatever reason, wasn't like that, and just felt a bit wrong. But I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I bet if I yeah. read the book now, I'd have problems with it as well. Maybe. I haven't read it, actually. Maybe I should. Yeah, maybe it's not one for an audio book. I think it's definitely one to read 
You might be right. Um, yeah. It's, it's hard going at the beginning because it's a, he's made up a whole language. Yes, quite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, is, that is tough going. You have to really get into the ry- rhythm of that, don't mm-hmm. you, and mm-hmm. understand what's going on. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so I want to take a moment just to talk about a film we watched last night mm-hmm. on Netflix, mm-hmm. uh, which is called My Octopus Teacher, which you may have heard of. I have not. Maybe not. Uh, maybe listener has heard of it. So yeah, it's about a man. Uh, he's a South African uh, filmmaker, documentary filmmaker, who um, at the beginning of the film, we find out that he's completely burnt out emotionally. Mm-hmm from making documentary movies and he goes home to um, you know, the Southern Cape of South Africa to re- rehabilitate and kind of reevaluate his life really, because he can't parent properly. He's not been a very good husband. Um, he's, he's discovered that maybe the thing that he's, he's dedicated his life to isn't the thing that he should really be doing. Mm-hmm. And he, and he decides to go in the ocean um, to just sort of try and work out all this stuff and when he's there, he sees an octopus, just a common octopus, and starts ob- observing it. It's, it's she, mm-hmm. um, he discovers. And um, the octopus, uh, they kind of strike up a, a tentative bond in the way that a wild animal and a human can. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, it's really great. It's really touching. It's not sentimental mm-hmm. in any way. Um it's really touching and powerful in the way that this octopus helps to rehabilitate him and get him back being a full human being again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I suppose also being in the very cold ocean that he talks about, the ocean is like eight or nine degrees. Mm-hmm. He goes swimming without a wetsuit mm-hmm. um, and no aqualung, so he doesn't have um, a breather system. Right. It's not called an aqualung anymore, is it? It's called something else. I don't know. Scuba. No scuba uh-huh, equipment. Uh-huh. So he's he's basically free diving. Um, not for, not all that deep, but even so, it's not something I could do. Yeah. He's got oh, a weighted belt on. Um, it's, uh, yeah, really good. So if listener is interested in that, it's on Netflix now. You can probably get it on other things as well. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Yeah. The octopus seemed doesn't really seem to have much in the way of personality you know it's not this kind of thing where it he doesn't anthropomor- anthropomorphize mm-hmm. animals in the ocean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but he does talk about the kind of bond and the kind of connection that they have which is really interesting so is it what um, like is it a voiceover or like how do you know what his yeah thoughts? yeah okay. it's all voiceover it's all his voiceover and mm-hmm. it's all um documentary footage but the footage is beautiful it's really stunningly made mm-hmm. Um, of this, what is it? What is it? It's a kelp forest that he lives near. So, oh. a really unique habitat filled yeah. with um, mm. animals that you don't really see anywhere else, mm-hmm. um, and just incredibly full of life. Everywhere you look, there's something. Because mm. the southern the southern Cape is a meeting point of hot and cold water, which is a place right. where you get loads of life all the time, including stuff like sharks that he swims with quite mm. big ones occasionally <laughs> uh, which is a bit alarming yeah uh yeah it's really good my octopus teacher my octopus so there's a bit teacher. of a recommend there's a recommendation there mm. yeah so before you start andy yes i want to stop and ask you and the listener how you are this far into at least what well, at least in the uk has been a long a old lockdown yeah and a lot of people have been pretty much confined to their home for a year. Um, and everyone has been uh, has been confined quite a lot for quite a lot of the year. Yes. A lot of people have suffered grief and fear and illness. How are you? I'm okay. I'm recovering from a bout of shingles. Um, no and if listener I doesn't imagine. know what they are... Uh, shingles is the same virus as chickenpox, uh, but when you've had chickenpox, the virus doesn't leave your body. It stays in your spinal fluid, I think, just waiting for the time to come back and mess with you again. And it, and it generally messes you with you when your immune system is a bit low mm-hmm. or you're feeling 
quite stressed and I, I think I was suffering from both of those things at the mm-hmm. time. I can't imagine why. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing else going on in the world that could cause that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, was, um, I was with my wife and she said, what's that rash on your side? I was like, I don't know. That's weird. It really itches. And it was about this big, I suppose, mm-hmm. on my side. And the next day it got a bit bigger, then a bit bigger, then a bit bigger. And then it sort of covered my whole flank, basically. Mm-hmm. And it, it itched like crazy. And I was very fortunate in that it didn't hurt. Mm. Um, yeah, because I've heard of people suffering so terrible, bad, yeah. terrible, like screaming in agony kind of pain. Mm. Mine didn't do that, which was very, for- I was very lucky. I was expecting that to happen, but it didn't. Mm. Um, it just hurt. It itched a lot. And I just felt really low, mm. no energy at all. Um, and I'm still suffering with that. So I'm suffering from what people call um, post-viral slump mm-hmm. or, um, yeah, post-viral depression in that I'm still lacking in energy, mm. even though the rash is clearing up. So um, I'm okay, but that's not fun. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you? I'm okay. I um very grateful like you to have a job and yeah um, not to have lost any of my close relatives to this horrible illness yeah but absolutely suffering from anxiety about the whole situation from loneliness mm-hmm. i think even though i'm living with my uh family i feel yeah just down a lot like i really miss especially working in an office with people which was a like a yeah a, a big part of where i get my self esteem i think is is working with people in a, in the same physical place and i try and do it over video conference but it's not the same it's not the same for no. me no um and yeah so what so i hear a lot of people talking uh, on the radio and on podcasts which is probably very commendable about how great the situation is and like how it's good that um you know more people can work from home and all kinds of stuff like that which is absolutely brilliant especially for people who need to work from home this has been a yes uh, a liberating thing uh, but for me personally it's definitely something that i'm suffering and i'm hoping we might be moving towards um, a bit more freedom and a bit more chance to see people yeah, I think I think that is going to happen. Um, I think what what I'm hoping is is that enough people have been vaccinated now so that we won't get a disastrous third wave. Mm-hmm. Um, but we so. could still get one, I suppose. Um, yeah, and I I, I, I uh, hope that there'll be fewer deaths and hospital admissions, even if there's more virus around. Yes. Um, yeah. Because especially the people who are at most risk have been vaccinated and the studies look like um, once you have even one dose of vaccination, your chances of getting seriously ill are so much lower. Yes, uh, that's what I've heard. really encouraging news. So I've had my first, mm-hmm. I had my mm-hmm. first a month ago. So right. actually before, before the last podcast, I don't right. know whether right. I talked about it then. Um, uh, my arm hurt a lot. Right. And it took 12 hours for me to feel any effects. Right. Uh, but when, when they did, they were quite pronounced. So, so you felt ill, basically, did you? Or yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I, have a, I have a flu jab every year, and I mm-hmm. don't really get much from that at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this one, I felt like I had a very low-level virus. Right, right, right. right, right. Um, and that lasted uh, probably like eight hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it went away. But right. the, but the pain, pain in the arm took about a week to go wow. off oh, okay <clears throat> which is unusual right 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 so it just felt like a dead arm felt like a you know been punched in the arm mm. it wasn't terrible mm. but it's fine now um so that was quite interesting so very very different effect to a flu jab i know they're not mm. different they're totally different viruses mm. and uh, mm. um and obviously um covid is not a human virus so it's going to have a very different effect on your body than mm-hmm. you know the flu virus or indeed a cold the common cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, no, yeah, yeah. no vaccine for me yet, but I'm kind of expecting to find out pretty soon. I'm, I'm in the age bracket that's getting done at the moment, I believe. So I'm hoping I might get a call. So I had my first one because I'm a wheezy asthmatic, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but also I'm, I'm older than you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, I know that people my age 
without conditions seem to be getting it, so I might get it soon. Yeah. And I should enthusiastically take it up when I get the chance. Very soon. Good news. So, you know, if listener wants to get in touch and talk about their their um their experience and how they're feeling, we would we would very much like to hear from you. We definitely would. And uh, and uh, if you're sick of people telling you how great this situation is, then hopefully the last yeah you can actually say actually it's not great for me. (laughs) Was useful to you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, What what I um the stuff I really enjoy in quotes is when you occasionally see a story pop up from a property developer or something saying people are tired of working at home. They should come back to the offices that I own and work and work there because then I can earn some money. Uh-huh. That's the subtext of what they're saying, anyway. Yeah. So, so last year, um, who was it? It was Sir Alan Sugar uh-huh. who was saying, "Oh, working at home is rubbish. We never let people work at home." And it turns out he owns loads of buildings in central London uh-huh. Uh-huh. and rents them out. Uh-huh. Um, and there was another story on the BBC, the headline of which was, "People are tired of working from home." And it was a quote from a property developer. So <laughs> yeah. you just can't trust the opinion of people, basically. Yeah, I'm not in any way suggesting that we should have uh, done anything other than what we did. It's just I'm just saying I don't no. like it. No, no, they, no. And that's they, fine. But the, but, but you come in, you're coming from an honest viewpoint. Yeah. That both of those news stories were blatantly yeah. um, business and commerce driven. Yeah. The moment yeah. that I, I felt... Um, I felt like Twitter finally earned itself a um, validity in my heart. <laughs> yeah, was when someone someone had kind of sarcastically written it on Twitter. What do you even miss about going to the office, or something like that? Yeah, because um, there's a lot of people who really hate going to the office, and and you know, don't get me wrong. If you hate going to the office, I understand precisely why. This is yeah. this is a good thing that you don't have to go. But I like going to the office. Um, and one of the people I follow on Twitter had just replied, having friends. And I was like, yes, <laughs> that's what I miss about going to the office. That, but they're, the not, but they're your of, work colleagues, right? Yeah, yeah. And they are yeah. my friends. And I miss them. Yeah. It's sad. Yeah, it is sad. Yeah. But, you know, we'll get to something like normality I think in the next six months, I think, Mm -hmm, mm because they talked about vaccinating every adult by the summer. Right, right, right. So um, we should get back to some kind of normality by then, I think. But I I think that mask wearing and social distancing will be with us for years to come. Yep. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Years to come, which is fine by me because, Mm -hmm. you know, when I go out shopping and stuff, I don't want to talk to people or be near them anyway. Mm -hmm, So. That's perfectly okay for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, um, what I've heard people say is, I like wearing a mask because I'm a miserable bugger, <laughs> and then people can't see my face. Yeah. So um, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. What I'm yeah. hoping is that um, people who are really lonely or stuck on their own will, yeah. will not be isolated anymore, right? So, you know, elderly relatives will be able to have their family come visit them and stuff like that. They, you know, if we can establish that back properly so that people can be not alone in that kind of situation, that yeah. would be great. that's really important. Really, really important. So, listener, if you want to get in touch, we'd, we'd, we'd love to hear from you and we'd love to read out your experiences of, of the various lockdowns that we've had. Um, you know, we're aware that maybe there are people in countries that are not the United Kingdom that listen to this podcast. I mean, that's amazing. There's this thing called the internet where you can download mm. stuff. Yeah, you can, it's global. It's interconnected um, network. So, uh, you know, if you're not in the UK, we'd love to hear your stories about lockdown, really. And or we'll, if you are. We'll dedicate, we'll dedicate a special podcast to it. How about that? Whoa. Lockdown stories, we'll call it. <laughs> I've just committed us to something there. <laughs> I'm up for it. Like if we got if we get even one piece of feedback from a listener, that's such a moment. Exactly. Occasion. Then we can talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe we could have them on the podcast to talk about what their lockdown's been like. Yeah. Get in yeah. touch. Get in touch. Anyway. So Go get on, in touch. Tell us about. But it's time to move on to Blinded by the Light. Tell us about Blinded by the Light, the uh, far right Christi- religious. It's not a far right religious Christian movie. <laughs> so this is a 2019 British. Comedy drama film directed by Gorinda Chada. It was inspired by the life of journalist uh, Safraz Manzur and his love for the works of Bruce Springsteen. 
Okay. So he wrote, he um, Manzor co-wrote the script with Chada and Paul Mayeda Burgess or Burgess, and it's based on Manzor's 2007 memoir Greetings from Berry Park: Race, Religion, and Rock and Roll, and that is a play on Bruce Springsteen's early album Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey. Okay. I, you're probably not a Springsteen fan. I'm not. I'm not much of one, but I probably know more about him than you do. Uh-huh. I, sh- I should think so. Um, um, so it's set in the town of Luton in 1987, Thatcherite Britain. So, right. depending on which side of the political spectrum you are, that's either a fantastic place to be or the worst place you can possibly imagine. <laughs> it reminds me of now. Well, yes, quite yeah. Uh, and the film tells the coming of age story of Javed, a British-Pakistani Muslim teenager whose life is changed after he, after he discovers the music of Springsteen. Um, so uh, Vivek Kalra stars in the lead role, along with Hayley Atwell, Rob Brydon, who's always good value, mm-hmm. Corvinda Gear, and Neil Williams. And he said it was a comedy roles. drama. It is, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the film premiered at the 2019 Sundance Film Festival. That seems like such a long time ago. Yeah, it was a different planet, wasn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, Sundance is in January, February every year. So this was two years ago, uh-huh. be- way before pandemic. Yeah. Um, was released by Entertainment One in the UK and Australia New Zealand and by Warner Brothers and New Line in the United States and other countries. Uh, received positive reviews, received nominations for Best Film and Best Actor at the 2019 SIFF, which I think is... Now, what is that? Oh, yeah, Seattle International Film Festival. Uh-huh. There you go. Uh-huh. I just learned something. Uh-huh. Um, so you're probably thinking, what? in what way does Bruce Springsteen's music, which I, I think is probably some of the most directly, iconically referencing American mythology... Mm-hmm. Music. What does that mean to a Pakistani British Muslim from Luton? Mm-hmm. So he's a second generation. So his mum and dad emigrated from Pakistan to Britain. Um, so he was born in Britain. So he is British. But what does it mean to him? How does that? How does that work? Do you think? You're probably thinking that right now. I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Okay. Why, why is he into Bruce Springsteen? Yeah, so he um, he's a writer. He writes poetry and lyrics for his best friend Matt's band. Um, but Matt critiques his work for being just too depressing, you know, mm-hmm. too kind of social yeah. realist. I get that a lot. <laughs> he feels out of place at his new school where he is one of only two South Asian students. There's him and there's Roops, um, who is a fan of the boss, who is a... Um, uh, a Sikh uh, student. Mm-hmm. So there's, yeah. Um, and when one day he's getting um, getting a hard time at school, this Sikh kid comes up to him and says, you need to listen to this, and just slaps this tape into his hand. Mm-hmm. He's like, what is it? What have you just given me? He says, just listen to it. <laughs> and, and of course he doesn't. Um, he takes a while to listen to this, but he he puts it on, uh, one night when, actually, it's in the Great Storm of 1987, which you might remember. I do, I think. Yeah, I remember that. It was um, that's that's the famous, now infamous shot of um, meteorologist Michael Fish on the BBC <laughs> saying, "And you may have been warned there's a hurricane coming. Don't worry, there isn't." And of course, <laughs> one actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. So it's on that night. He listens to the tapes and his mind is just blown, uh-huh. basically. By, just by the music? Just by the music. No, not, not just by the music. So actually okay. by the lyrics. Okay, so what okay. we see whilst he's listening to it is we see key lyrics on the screen. Okay. So we can see what is being talked about. Yeah. And then he goes outside in the wind and the rain and we, we also see... Um, like back projection of the lyrics mm-hmm. on buildings mm-hmm. and on the ground and this and kind of stylish. thing. We see it's very stylish. It's really powerful because one of the things that that Springsteen is known for is his poetic lyrics, mm-hmm. uh, the way he puts stuff together. Uh, and and um, 
uh, I'd never really listened to his stuff that hard before, but seeing the lyrics on the screen with the music and the way that it works with this film, it was just incredible. Right, okay, okay. Really. So it, it, might, help. Like, wow. it might help me get an now appreciation. I, now I understand why people are just so kind of um, mad for this guy. Right. Because the lyrics really do speak to you. Wherever you come from, you can kind of understand what he's talking about. Right. You know, maybe the need to get out of the small town that you live in and do something else. Or maybe the need to tell someone how you feel about them in a really poetic kind of way mm -hmm. is that he kind of talks about those things right. in a way that, that speaks directly to you, uh, which is really interesting. Your camera's disappeared, by the way. I apologise. Continue. <laughs> okay, I'll carry on. Um, so, uh, he, his um, his English teacher um, takes note of of the fact that he's suddenly become really kind of passionate in his writing, and his writing's changed. Mm -hmm. uh, she wants to find out why, mm -hmm. and he tells her, you know, that he's discovered Bruce Springsteen and this and this all this kind of thing, and he writes a really impassioned. Um, rebuttal of the National Front, um, which right. ends which ends up in the local in one of the bins during the during the big storm, and a World War Two veteran who lives across the road from them, who's kind of looked at them through the curtains in a kind of uh, you know he's not uh, what's the word I'm thinking of he's he doesn't entirely doesn't appear to entirely trust them. Uh -huh. He turns up at their house one evening with this piece of paper in his hand right. and says, I'd just like to say that I fought in the, in the Second World War and I thoroughly approve of this message. Uh -huh. And hands it over and says, your boy's got a good voice. You should encourage it. Now, his dad does not encourage it. He doesn't think that writing is going to be of any use to him. Right. He is he wants worried him about, to be, about people responding in a racist way to him? Do you think he, he should just stay quiet or...? Oh yeah, he does think he should he should stay quiet. Yeah, right. um, I mean, we're, so it's it's hard for me to talk about this uh, because I'm not, you know, I'm not a, a a second generation immigrant and I have no right to talk about the experience of that. Mm -hmm. But I can talk about what I've seen in the film. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and his dad doesn't want him to write. His dad has been laid off from the Vauxhall factory as well because mm -hmm. he worked he worked at the Vauxhall factory in mm -hmm. Luton. His dad is really struggling psychologically mm -hmm. um, to fulfil his role as the main breadwinner. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it's mum that's doing basically all of the earning at the moment, mm -hmm. um, doing seamstress, seamstress work for mm -hmm. people, working until like two or three o'clock in the morning whilst his dad just hasn't found a job. Mm -hmm. So his dad doesn't want him to do writing. He doesn't think it'll earn any money. Mm -hmm. He doesn't think it's something he should be doing at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He thinks you, he should be a doctor or a lawyer or something that's going to earn lots of money. I mean, right. this is, mm -hmm. again, I can't talk about that because it's not my thing. But having listened to people like Nish Kumar and Ramesh Ranganathan, Ranganathan about Ranganathan, 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 yeah. like getting the TV. Ranganathan is the TV up. show. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So his surname is Ranganathan. Ranganathan, yeah. Hearing them talk about their parents feeling that their their choice of career was not good enough, <laughs> you know, I've I've heard this before yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, from from the from that from from first generation or second generation Asian immigrants, and that yeah. they want their children to be better than everybody else. They want them to work hard and be seen to be working hard. Right. Yeah. And take up professions. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. A high status profession. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. His, his dad doesn't think that writing is a high-status profession. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So he gets a really hard time from him for that. Um, there's then uh, his sister's going to get married mm -hmm. um, on the same day that, that there's a National Front march going through the town. Right. Um, and on this day, he finds out that, there are, uh, that Bruce is playing at Wembley uh, Arena Mm -hmm. So he goes into town to buy tickets on the same day that his sister is getting married. Right. You might think this is not a good life decision. Yeah. And you may be right. <laughs> um, because when he goes there, um, there's a song that plays over the march and over his sister heading to, um, to be married. Mm -hmm. 
called Jungle Land by Bruce Springsteen. I mm-hmm. should urge listener to listen to this song. It's really good. Mm-hmm. And as things kick off, um, so Bruce's band is the E Street Band. Um, unusual, I think, in that they had a sax player, a guy uh-huh. called Clarence Clements, who's no longer with us, sadly. Uh-huh. Um, as things kick off in this march and some violence ensues, his sax solo kicks off. Right. And that is just incredible. Like the, the, the matching up of the music and the... Right. I know it's like a simple thing, isn't it? But <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's really powerful. Right. You know, it really right. works with what's going on on the screen. Um, so there are definitely um, areas in this movie where stuff is choreographed to the music, uh-huh, uh-huh. for sure. Um, so there's there's a scene where where him his Sikh friend and his um, girlfriend that he now has they do uh, they do like a travelogue to uh, Born to Run, which is a very famous uh-huh. uh, Bruce Springsteen song, uh-huh, uh-huh. and that that pops up later in the movie as well. Uh, there's also a nice scene where um, he's working. Well, he's not really working that hard. He's working. His friend Matt. His dad is Rob Brydon, and he right. runs a, a store at the local market, mm-hmm. um, and he needs to earn some money, so he goes to work there as a Saturday job, mm-hmm. and he sees this this girl that he's been kind of like eyeing up at school mm-hmm. in the crowd, and decides to do something about it. Mm-hmm. So he puts his headphones on, and he plays Springsteen's song, Thunder Road, and speaks the words to her. Mm-hmm which are quite romantic mm-hmm. in many ways. And in a kind of magical realist moment, it kind of takes you out of the film. Um, okay. In the way that... Uh, have, you seen Sunshine, have you seen Sunshine on Leith, the Proclaimers movie? don't think so. That's good. I definitely okay. recommend that. Okay. So, so that has moments when it kind of enters into sort of magical realist in the mm-hmm. way that musicals can. Yeah, yeah. They can kind of not be logical in the way that they do stuff, but still... Mm-hmm. It works. Mm-hmm. So that there's a moment when he's singing it and then Rob Brydon joins in because he's a Springsteen fan and they're both singing the mm-hmm. words to Thunder Road. And it just works. Mm-hmm. It just works. Um, uh, so he then, he submits... So he, went, um, he went out on the day of the march and got involved in trouble. He did. He spent money buying Springsteen tickets when he should have been at his sister's wedding oh hold his on dad... oh, oh, so he i thought he was just like taking a risk by going there beforehand but no he's, um, he's skipping his sister's wedding well no, he's not skipping it he does get there uh-huh. but of course his dad finds out what happened and they have this really heated argument uh-huh. in which his dad is kind of right and he, he says you shouldn't there. have done that you shouldn't have, yeah so you should have been there like no, he ma- he makes it, but there's this violence that ensues where his dad gets physically injured by a skinhead in, in a National Front skinhead, and and he wasn't there. Oh, I see. The march was was near the wedding. Yeah. I thought it was near. I didn't. I didn't was. say that. Yeah, okay, sorry, okay. I didn't say that. No, no, the march was on the same day as the wedding. Yeah, I knew it was on the same day. I didn't know it was it, that. So was, you've got this. I thought he'd he'd gone to where the march was, but you're saying the march was okay. No, so no, I'm, he yeah, goes yeah. into town to buy the tickets. I'm oh, sorry, I didn't no, explain no, sorry, that. Sorry. So so he and his dad had this really heated exchange in which his dad is absolutely right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to give him a hard time about it. And But he just digs his heels in and says, no, I'm going, this is what I like. And his dad just takes the tickets and rips them up and says, mm-hmm. you're not going. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he leaves. Mm-hmm. He leaves the house. Um, it's uh, It's really powerful stuff because his dad... Uh, what we find out in, a, in an exchange with his mum, with his mum and dad talking to each other, is that his dad rebelled against his own father. Mm-hmm. So he left Pakistan against his father's wishes, right, right, to go to go and live and find a job in in the UK. Uh-huh. Um, so he's been a rebel as a young man, mm-hmm. um, and now his son is doing the same thing, and he's. His his wife points out that he's got double standards and he, he needs to sort his life out, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a fair point. That he needs to support him, basically, mm-hmm. so that he, you know, he can be a better man than his father. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in the meantime, he, uh, Jab, 
Javed has been writing um, Javed has been writing uh, an essay which has been entered into a a, a story writing competition by his mm-hmm. teacher mm-hmm. Uh, and he um, it does very well mm-hmm. and he then has to show up and make a speech to accept it right which he is kind of he's kind of torn about it because he is he is almost ready to quit and just get a get a job or right, you know go right, to the right. university that his dad wants him to go to right. so his univer- his dad wants him to go to a local uni or to go to college and uh-huh. stay local uh-huh, uh-huh. he's got a place at manchester uni uh-huh. you know studying creative writing which is what he really wants to do and his dad is just like no that's not happening uh-huh. um but um his girlfriend goes to see his mum and dad and just says look this is happening and it would be really great if you could come along and support him because mm-hmm. he's going to make this speech mm-hmm. and he does make the speech and he sees his mum and dad come in and it and what could be a very schmaltzy moment mm-hmm. in other hands mm-hmm. turns into basically quite a powerful acceptance his dad accepts that maybe he doesn't accept it but actually I think he now supports him he understands what he's Mm-hmm. His wife was saying to him that mm-hmm. he can be a better man than his father and actually support his son in, in what he wants to do. And then he and then Javed makes this really impassioned speech about how Bruce's music speaks to him in a way that he didn't expect it to. Mm-hmm. But now it's made him understand that he can be better than he can you know, he can do different things. He's not limited by just living in this place, but he's still even though he's leaving to go and do something else, he still loves his family and he supports them and all this kind of thing. It's really powerful stuff. Um, it's really great. I loved it. Mm. Absolutely love this. It, it kind of moved me in a way that I couldn't, I still can't really properly explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the combination of the music, um, for now, now kind of understanding it more than I used to. Right, uh, the lyrics being on the screen, which really helps me to to understand what's being sung about and what he's right. talking about. That's interesting. <clears throat> but also the story. The story is mm. really powerful. It, it it talks a lot about obviously race, racial politics during the nineteen eighties in in Britain was a mess. Mm. Um, I'd argue that it hasn't improved that much since then. Um. Uh, yeah, it talks about those things, but it talks about them in a really direct way. Right. And there have been, I think there have been many films about, and many TV series about race politics in the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And this one just adds to that, you know, adds, adds to the spectrum of those conversations about it. Yeah. In the way that, potentially, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Particularly meaningful for you and me since that was around about the time we were growing up. And Yes. I yes. certainly remember in, in my school, um, the boy from Pakistan having an awful time. Um, yeah, and I remember not really doing anything about that or helping in any way. Yes, I remember that as well, and I remember people talking about going to do horrible things in the town at weekends or in right. evenings to um, people from Pakistan or India or whatever. Um, so yeah, I'm acutely aware of that, and I'm I'm also aware of the fact that I had some friends or acquaintances who said racist things to me, mm-hmm. um, and I now understand that racism happens in the home and gets right. passed on to children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then the children just parrot it because they don't understand it, mm. um, and it's you know racism is built is is built at home uh, or. Mm. I, I don't really think it comes from peer pressure particularly. It's got yeah. to start somewhere where it's easy to indoctrinate people, which is in the home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, there were a couple of people that I hung about, hung out with that said very racist things to me. And I just thought, what? You know, where does that come from? Even even at school, I just I didn't say anything to them about it because I didn't really understand it then. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it was weird that somebody would say something like that. Mm. Because it just seems so odd. Um, so yeah, there, there was a big old skinhead at school who um, actually, in my last year, I ended up throwing discus with him um, at the county games, <laughs> which was quite strange. I think he'd stopped being a skinhead by then. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and he was quite affable, but I knew that he was a, a big old skinhead at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that it, it talks about the race politics in a really honest and direct way, but it has this, 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 this through line of Bruce Springsteen, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because it speaks to you in a very direct way that you don't expect it to. Mm. Yeah. You don't expect it to do that. Um, So some history about the film, um, which is really interesting, is that... um, uh, So Gurinder Chada met uh, the writer of the the book. um, I'm going to go back and see his name again, because I've forgotten it. This uh, isn't Sarf- Sarfraz Manzur, so the actual writer of the book. So this is an autobiographical so, book, is it? Or? Yes, it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. So she got in touch with him and said, oh, it'd be really great to make a movie out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, sh- uh, apparently, uh, so she said, well, Bruce is in town. He's signing copies of his book. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll go and meet him. Um, so they do. Right. And Bruce, and, and this guy, so Sarfraz Manzur has been to loads of Springsteen concerts. He's been to so many the Springsteen now knows him. You can pick him out in the crowd and say, hey, it's that guy again. Hello. Um, so they go to this signing and Bruce picks him out of the crowd and says, oh, hi, I loved your book. Great oh. book. And Gurinder Chada says, we should make a movie out of it. <laughs> and there's a point. Now, I don't know if this is true or not. And there's a pause and he says, yeah, that's a good idea. You should speak to John. And John Landau is Bruce Springsteen's manager. Right. So she got in touch with him, and then there was a back and forth, and then it started. Amazing. So she got permission to use all the music in the film yeah. in the way that they wanted to do it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is really hard to do. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's so great, really, is, is it's got his blessing. It's got his buy-in to the whole thing. Right, right. That is interesting. Yeah. Um, so imagine if you could get in touch with... I don't know. You could get to, get in touch with Brian Wilson or Paul McCartney. And for Brian Wilson, you could say, we'd like to make a movie of the Beach Boys and we want to do anything we want with the music. And he said, yeah, okay, fine. Do whatever you want. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that would be amazing. Yeah. And the same for the Beatles, if you could actually do that. Yeah. You could use the Beatles music in a, in a fictional movie. Um, and this is the same kind of thing. You know, yeah. he basically said, you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Do whatever you want with it. Mm-hmm. Because I trust he trusted you. the source material, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Huh. He thought the source material was truth. Yeah. Truthful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the 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 really interesting thing about the mechanism of Bruce Springsteen music is that um, it's very easy. It 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 emphasizes the fact that this person is a human just like you, and if he, there's a connection point with that music, yes, um, then it it makes it really easy to. To, to connect with that person and say this is a person just like me if they share exactly. that thing yeah exactly you're a sucker um, for a um a parent child storyline i'm a sucker for a coming of age movie yeah <laughs> and a parent child um movie yes i am so this maybe you can understand why it kind of spoke to me in the way that it did but it really hit me hard yeah, oh, yeah. like, like yeah, a I mean, train, basically. Yeah. Right, right, right. And the, the, yeah, yeah you saying you loved it. I, I'm not sure you've said it quite like that about many of the things we've talked about on this podcast. No, I don't think I have, no. No, it's it's been a hard one to get out of my head since I watched it. Mm. And I, I and it's mainly the, um, the scenes that I replay in my head a lot are the scene in The Great Storm where he's throwing his papers all over the place and he's right. just angry and the... And the the words appearing projected on a building and on the ground and it's just <clears throat> also superimposed on the screen. Mm-hmm. That scene, I think the Thunder Road scene at the market is amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, those scenes replay in my head quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's quite it's quite a piece of work, this. And what did you learn about yeah. life or about yourself from this film? That was the question. The oh, okay. So that's a, that, that is a good one. I know you, we, always are, we always ask <laughs> these questions, but I think... I think what I learned is that you should be true to yourself. And if you have a, something that you really want to do, you should find a way to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As long as it's and a righteous thing, you know, <laughs> a good thing. So speaking as a parent myself, what can I learn about being a parent from it? Listen to your children. 
listen to what they're saying to you. So if they're saying that they really want to do something and they're really passionate about it, then find a way to support them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if you don't really agree with it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. find a way. Find a way of of um, of reconciling that because, you know, as as children, we want to please our parents. That's mm-hmm. all we want to do. As parents, we should support our children. Mm. That's it. Well, maybe that's not. Maybe it's not quite as cut and dried as that. But those, but those things are important. Mm. But helping your child find a voice, instead yes. of trying to trying to oh yeah, yeah, trying, trying to, to smother like, it and trying to enforce you maybe your values which are not consistent with theirs, mm. is important. Mm. And um, understanding the desire to please you. So it's never as simple as like if they were just saying to you very clearly, I've got this voice and I want you to listen, it would be easy, right? But then what they're yes. half the time what they're saying to you is, I want to please you. Um you know, not saying saying, but you know, like that's what's coming through. So you have to be you have to be a bit smart about it. Yeah, and that's difficult. It is. That's difficult because there's a lot of noise in our lives. It's difficult because None of us is very rational or on top of their own issues. No, right? we're all humans, so yeah. it it is very very difficult. Yes, my yeah. uh, my daughter's wanted to be a paleontologist since she was about three. That's cool. Did she watch Jurassic Park or something? I don't know. Before? I don't know where it came from. Um, yeah, but I, I haven't been suppressing that emotion too much. But I have okay. been using it to encourage her to take science A-levels. Which are hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, are you sure you still want to be a paleontologist? <laughs> yeah. So I wonder what happened with that. You can come back and ask me in 10 years whether she did become a paleontologist. Yeah. Well, we'll still be doing this podcast in 10 years, so you can tell me the answer. Yeah. Well, presumably we will still be doing it. As long it. as they, and both of us are still alive, or at least one of us. <laughs> Maybe I'll be an AI by then. I've been <laughs> oh, no, I'm not doing it with an AI. I'm not doing it with an AI version of you. With a Stephen Hawking voice. I refuse. Well, I think it is about this. <laughs> <laughs> Today's movie is Lighted by the Light. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. Okay. No, fair enough. I mean, no, if I did it with you. a different voice, would you be interested? Uh, if it's you, I'm interested. If um, okay. if it's an AI trying to copy your behaviour, I'm not interested. But Just how do you know it's that's not what it is now? Oh well, I I don't. But if I found out that it was, I would. Stop. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Um. So that's that's blinded <laughs> by the light. Do you want some? Uh, do you want some uh, critical response? Uh, yeah. Go on then. Briefly. Okay. Yeah. So Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, like a life-affirming rock anthem, mm-hmm. it hits familiar chords with confidence and flair, building to a conclusion that leaves audiences cheering for an encore. That's quite a cheesy. Thing. Yeah, that's um, incredibly cheesy. I'd rather move incredibly on cheesy. <coughs> um, so um, the New York Post, no, sorry, uh, the playlist calls it one of the most joyous and exhilarating movies you'll see this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Film Threat says. It's a feel-good movie that tackles a bunch of tough topics from politics, race, family traditions, social social frustrations and romance, yet never feels preachy or overly cheesy. Mm-hmm. Collider calls it rapturously joyous, heartfelt and genuinely insightful film, not just about the boss, but about the personal nature and power of music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where, where can the listener watch this? So I watched this on Netflix, okay, but it's okay. available on disc as well. So the reason I um, asked specifically, yes, uh, is that we accidentally signed up for another month of Netflix because we needed Brooklyn Nine Nine season five. You can watch so. it on there. Well, there's two <laughs> more it, seasons after that, so you're we're in guiding. Luck. Yeah, we're guiding my son <coughs> through Brooklyn Nine Nine, and uh, right. somehow I messed up the recording off the TV of it, so we've had to. Yeah, I did that. Pay for Netflix. I think there's a there, that's because of the way that. Um, this is a boring point for listeners to listen to, but <laughs> Channel Four put "new" in front of programs, right? Which confuses my um, sometimes confuses my my PVR system. Oh, maybe that's what's confusing mine. Yeah. So I'm just looking to see where you can see "Blinded by the Light." So yeah, Netflix is available mm-hmm. with a subscription. 
It's also available from all other digital platforms um, okay. for a fee okay, okay, if you okay. want it. Yeah. Blinded by the light. <clears throat> so it's readily available and it's very, very good. Should it I tell you what? It me I've... out. Yes. Yeah. So that I'm, I'm convinced I want to watch it, which okay. is why I'm just cool. moving on now. So okay. do you know, want to know what I've been watching? I got the social cue of that, finally. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. You weren't missing social cues. Okay. Do you want to know what I've been watching? I do. Uh, I've been watching Battlestar Galactica, the miniseries. Fantastic. Oh, the miniseries, yeah, because they, sh- they showed it on BBC, yeah. yeah. Well, they showed everything on the BBC. Well, they put everything They're on still iPad. showing it now, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, it's great. I, I find the uh, sexy alien uh, seductress character really annoying. Do you? Yeah, and I th- and okay. I'm really cliched and annoying. Uh, she's purely a sex object for throughout the entire like what how many series is they have? Yeah. Um, but other than that, uh, it's really great. Yeah. And they probably could have done her differently, so it wasn't so annoying. Maybe I think yeah, it is. It is fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's really ground groundbreaking sci-fi, mainly because. Of the um the the wobbly close cam. up documentary style um wobbly cam. <laughs> it's just the it's just the wobbly cam that you like. <laughs> it's really <laughs> it's exciting. I I love I love how constantly exciting it is. It reminds me of Walking Dead, you know, which we you know. I yeah, know. it's soapy, isn't it? Um, yeah. and I love the old fashioned spaceship. And now that I'm old, I yes. I really appreciate the fact that. The only spaceship that survives is the one that doesn't have any of these newfangled computer things on yeah, it. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> just so it's really old and creaky, and it's held together with bits of sticky tape. And they have phones with wires and stuff. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So I love that. Yeah. I love that. So I've been watching that. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's great, Galactica. I think it went I'm sure off. listeners... For me, I really yeah. went off it after a couple more seasons. But I'm okay. going to try re-watching, see if I get more out of it this time, I think. I think it does go off. Uh, I I'm in a, I'm in a I'm I'm on the side of the fence that really enjoys the finale. Right, right. And right. I, I know plenty of people who just can't stand it. Yeah, I think it's the worst episode of a television ever made. Ever made, yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. So we're on differing sides of the fence there. <laughs> but I'm going to try. Like, so when I was really disappointed by like season three, four, five, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, it was because I was expecting more of what I got in season one. Right, right, right. A lot of action changed, and explosions yeah. and, and running away from aliens. Explosions. And, and it, they've moved on from that at that point, and they're doing basically like political drama. So, Yeah, uh, and also strong character work as well. Yeah, so I'm going to try and watch it, you know, expecting that. I'm also, I'm also actually, despite the fact that I hate the episode, the final episode, I'm actually watching the miniseries in the light of that, the, what gets revealed oh, in that episode. Okay, yeah. And I'm finding that really pleasing and good. So it turns out I didn't necessarily hate the reveal that happens in the final episode. I just hate yep. the way they did it. Uh, it was thought it was really annoying. Especially You'll probably still scene. hate that then. Probably. Yeah. But I'm going to try and be more tolerant. <laughs> but then, but the, the, uh, my, I do have this problem with the, the, the sexy alien sex object. So I I think what I like about the final episode is because I like a bit of pathos and a bit of an emotional payoff is I like the stuff with Adama and the president, Laura. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy that in a, in a powerful emotional payoff kind of way. It works. Right. I love the relationship between Adama and the president. They're, yeah. they're so excellent. Watching the miniseries and watching that relationship before it's formed... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's pen. completely different, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's great. It's really great to watch, watch that again. And, you know, because it's me, I've basically forgotten everything that happens in right. the rest of the series. Yeah. So I can, my wife teases me because I can just watch the series again a few years later and I don't remember any of it. So. I don't remember that. I don't remember that much about it, actually, because there were so many episodes. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's just the pacing. You know, you just, I mean, and the episode that I remember you showed us once before I'd seen the rest of it, I think. 33, yeah. I had an episodes weekend and invited people over to bring their favourite episodes. And that episode, which is just the tensest thing ever. It's amazing, ever, yeah. uh, The pacing of that is unbelievable. So that's... Yes, it's, it's perfect, yeah. isn't it? It's perfect yeah. TV. 
That's great. Yeah, that one's called 33. I also showed Employee of the Month from The Sopranos. Yeah. Oh, did you bring two? Because I thought, yeah, I was just remembering that you brought No, I brought two. three. I brought three. Did I you? brought Employee of the Month from, from The Sopranos, which episode. is an amazing episode, and The Doll from um, Kirby Enthusiasm, which is probably one of the sweariest episodes of that entire show. Oh, I don't really remember watching that one. Obviously, didn't, didn't have the same that. impact. We definitely watch, definitely watch The Sopranos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely watch Galactica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, the doll is um, incredibly sweary and very funny. <laughs> so what have you been watching? Um, we have been watching... What have we been watching series-wise? Uh, Bake Off. Oh, yeah, we've been enjoying Bake Off. A celebrity Bake Off that's on at the moment. Oh, yeah, we haven't watched that. Um, what, have we, what have we finished? Oh, we finished, we finished Harlots. Uh-huh. Which ended because it was cancelled. It ended in the way that cancelled shows end. Oh right! So there was a kind of montage with no dialogue <laughs> of people looking happy and sad, uh-huh. and then it uh-huh. just finished. Oh, um, <laughs> so <laughs> that was really disappointing. Oh dear. Um, so yeah, we finished Harlots. We finished The Great, which was very good. Uh-huh. That was the uh-huh. Catherine the Great thing on Channel Four. Mm-hmm. Um, we've yet to start. Have we started a new? Se- We're still watching Shit's Creek. Mm-hmm. We're looking forward to watching a show called The Irregulars, which is a Netflix show. Actually, I saw so them I think, advertising it on Netflix. That had a very good review I read online. Right. Um, so it looks like a Sherlock Holmes sci-fi fantasy mashup. Ah, The Irregulars, as in Sherlock Holmes, yes. right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that sounds um, that looks I like, really I like intriguing. A bit of, I hate. Well, I don't hate. I've read quite a bit of Sherlock Holmes, so I obviously like it. Bit, I liked. But, I liked it. I've enjoyed it. But the the actual. Sherlock Holmes books leave a lot to be desired, but then yes, if you, then they're not great. Are they? But things yeah. things that have been made from it, including Sherlock and uh, Elementary, solid. I really like. Yeah, so yeah, maybe there's room for a bit more. Yeah, I think I think the thing that I'd really like to see one day is someone do a Sherlock Holmes Van Helsing mashup. <laughs> that would make me very happy. <laughs> very very happy. But the other thing I've been watching, and it's partly, I think, uh, wanting slightly comforting things in lockdown, is yeah. Bones. Have I talked about Bones? In you have, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have. Still yeah. loving Bones. Still loving Okay. It. It's awful. Yeah. Awful, but watchable. Yeah. yeah. The relationship, uh, the key relationship between the two main characters, uh, they kind of switch out of this mode of being just stupid. A lot of the plots and the the little funny thing that's happened in that episode is just stupid. Mm. Um, and obviously none of it makes any sense or is at all believable but then when they have these little scenes between the two main characters the uh, the tension between them or the love between them is just so well played and yeah, well, and suddenly well written and well acted as well <laughs> it's weird yeah okay I think one day when I've run out of things to watch which will be never <laughs> yeah um so I'm still in, I'm still enjoying Breaking Bad, although I haven't watched any for a while. Oh, I want to watch uh, that, but I just my wife wa- enjoys The Crown. A great right, deal. right, right, right. It's very, very good. Right. And in the in the last series, Gillian Anderson plays Margaret Thatcher, mm-hmm. and it is a um, she disappears into the role. Right, 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 right. In that you just sit there going, "I hate you, I hate you, I hate you." <laughs> I, oh, it's Gillian Anderson. <laughs> Right. Oh, she's not played sympathetically then. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. Nothing like the Iron Lady film that Meryl Streep was in. Right, right, right. She's full, fully immersive. Um, she disappears into it basically. Right. Amazing. She's got the voice. She's got the body language. Right. Everything is there. Right. It's um, yeah. it's quite something. I think yeah. The Crown is really good. I mean, I occasionally dip into it when my wife's watching it, and its production values are off the scale. Right. Um, and the cast is amazing. It's really good. Mm. Mm. It's very, very good. I mean, uh, I'm not. I wouldn't consider myself to be a supporter of the royals. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about them, really. But I think that as a TV show, it's pretty compelling stuff. Right. Yeah. I think. Uh, I think of it in the same box as Walking Dead. Like, like it's like it's tapping into some primal thing. Yeah. And it making a huge amount of money from it, and therefore has a huge budget. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> there's yeah. basically those two series both have that thing about them. But I probably wouldn't watch The Crown, and I would definitely watch no, Walking Dead. I think you'd enjoy it, but it. Right, right, but right. It, if you don't want to watch it, you know, it's, it's not. There's a lot of other stuff to watch. Um, yeah, I like I could it. just watch more Bones. Yeah. You could watch more Bones. Yeah. Or once I've finished, I could just watch again from the beginning. 
There's a show we enjoy on um, Disney Plus called Bluey. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is a Australia BBC co-production. It's a kids, obviously a kids TV show. Um, it's really, really good. It's really funny. Uh-huh. But, it, but in amongst all of the fun and the comedy, of which there's a great deal, there's really insightful parenting tips right. that you might find useful. <laughs> um, it's really good, Bluey. Yeah. Highly recommend it. I think anybody would get something out of it because the writing is really sharp. Right. Uh, the characterizations are great. The voice acting is amazing. Good, good kids yeah. TV. Is yeah, it's good kids TV, yeah. Kids literature. yeah. And it's short episodes as well. They're like under 10 minutes each, which right. is perfect. So you can do a whole series in like a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> Just burn through it. <laughs> yeah, binge through it, yeah. That's right. I think that's about it, really. Um, um, there's a couple of other movies, but I'm not going to talk about those because, you know, I want to keep my powder dry. Right, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, there we go. Have you got anything to pimp? Anything to plug? Um, oh, yeah, I have, actually. So oh, I've been, I've been working... Your talk is on YouTube. Oh, oh yeah. So, um, both both the talks by the time this podcast comes out, both my talks from the ACCU conference will be available on YouTube. You could probably search YouTube for ACCU conference, or you could put links to them in the podcast. Oh yeah, I might do that because and, you're Batman. <laughs> because I'm Batman. Um, yeah, the thing I've got to pimp is what I've, the thing I found out about at the ACCU conference um, from a little talk that Jim Haig did was a um, an internet standard that he and a colleague developed um, called the Internationalized Deliberately Unreadable Network Notation. Oh, yes. Um, which is a way of writing IP addresses using uh, Unicode characters that's particularly difficult to understand to try and prevent humans from, um, uh, from messing with them. Right. Humans tend to mess with IP addresses. And Jim works in... Uh, in the domain name uh, world, where people messing with IP addresses causes all kinds of trouble. Yes, so it does, yeah. They, um, they developed this standard. It came out on April the 1st last year. And with any luck, I will have an implementation of this standard in Rust and a web-accessible way of building these um, encodings of IP addresses available by April the 1st this year. Oh, that's interesting. So um, I'm really hoping I'll have that ready. I mean, I've pretty much got it ready, so it should be fine. We've got, I've, listener, we've got a couple of days till uh, that date here. So yes, I'm hoping that that will uh, that will be able to release on the one year anniversary, an implementation in in various different programming languages of that that, in, that important internet standard. Excellent. That's so watch exciting. my Twitter for that. Okay, so we are available on Twitter. We are. Uh the good robot, good robot Andes. Aren't we just good robot Andes? Oh yes, we are. Yeah. Are we? I thought we I were. The. So. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Yeah, good robot Andes. I think yeah. so. You checking? Are you looking yeah. it up? Because I'm, I'm not going to bother if you are. I'm looking. I'm looking. Yeah, good robot okay. Andes. Okay. Yeah, we are good robot Andes at Twitter. Yeah. Uh, just a shout out to one of our podcasting buddies, mm-hmm. um, to Miles at the Disc Dump. I listened to his. Um, his chat about uh, Futurama Series 1. Uh, will he do? Will he keep it or dump it? Who knows? But anyway, they, they talked about that. Um, <laughs> There's only really one enjoyed, way to find out. I really enjoyed that chat because I I haven't seen much of Futurama, but what I have seen I really enjoyed. Right, right, right. Um, so, yeah, that's worth, a, that's worth checking out if you so yeah. desire. Have a listen yeah. and, and follow Good Robot Andy's on Twitter. Uh, Good Robot Andy's follows and is followed by a number of podcasts so if you're looking for more podcast recommendations you should find a lot from just following what, what Good Robot Andy's Twitter is doing because yes. Andy, C is, Andy C is hard at work uh, tweeting about such things I am indeed yes uh, that's it that's all I got for this week that's plenty yeah it is isn't it thanks a lot so, so listener before we go uh-huh. If you've got a lockdown story, if you want to talk about it, just send us an anecdote, something like that. Send, you can do it on our Twitter feed. You can do it. Um, go to our go to our website. Don't forget Mastodon. We're on Mastodon. Oh, Mastodon at Good Robot yep. Andy's at Mastodon social. Yep. We want to hear about what you've been up to in lockdown and how you're feeling about it. 
We hope you're well. We're sending we you loves. Yes, all our loves. And we'll yes, see you next time. Oh, have a happy oh. oyster. oyster. Have a happy oyster. Oyster. Yes. yes. And even if you don't celebrate Oyster, have have some Easter eggs or something. Happy Holly, I think it is today. I don't know if I've pronounced that right. Oh, really? Okay. See you next time. That's it. Goodbye.